All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd firstly like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have another cracker lined up with special guest Lars Van Berkel, fresh from racing the MXGP at Lommel as part of a massive world tour, mate. How's life? And thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, life is good. Um, well, my soreness is like slightly going away now. So that's uh, slowly going away now. And uh, I'm a bit in a small off season, a couple of weeks uh, taking it more easy now because, yeah, as you know, the, well, it turned into be a world tour. Everybody's starting it to be a world tour, which is, I think, super cool. <laughs> but it, uh, it was supposed to be only some nationals. But uh, yeah, gonna be like a rock star now. We uh, we're having a world tour. <laughs> yeah, mate. Why not? You certainly deserve a few days off because it's been pretty brutal last month. I guess you could say uh, traveling, racing, Canada, America, MXGP, mate. So just before we start on all of it, how was the weekend at Lommel? It looked pretty brutal out there, mate. The track was pretty heavy, and the new layout. Did you enjoy that too? To be honest, for me, the the weekend was well. I. I enjoyed every single uh, second of it, but it was like really difficult for me just because normally I'm really well known for my fitness in the end of the motos and just be able to just battle through the whole uh, the whole motos. But now I was just like really flat in my energy and um, I just felt a bit empty. So um, yeah, that comes with riding like big uh, sand races along the world in humidity, flying back, not knowing this race is going to happen and maybe also not having mentally prepared for it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was a bit difficult. And also the track layout, I think, didn't suit me too good. It was like a lot of 180 degrees, uh, 80 degree corners. So you have to really uh, stop and go a lot. And that's like extra difficult if you're not feeling 100%. Then, like, normally you can just, if you're, how you say it? If you are just following the lines and you have like a real rhythm in a track, it's easier to keep going but if you have to stop and go every time and you don't have rhythm and you're a little uh, feeling a little bit off then then you're struggling so uh well i survived the weekend well i didn't take points so i was like really pissed on that but uh i cannot complain because i gave it my all and that little bit of energy that i had left in my in my body i used that so that was good <laughs> that was bloody awesome seeing you out there mate and yeah, a lot of guys were saying it was sort of hard to get the flow with all those sort of stop and go sections and then the wave section that was really hard to carry momentum through but yeah just your thoughts on that and also how the deal came about with jwr because i don't think too many people were expecting it it sort of came out of left field a little bit yeah, that's true. Well, uh, track-wise, it was indeed uh, not a typical level. When you go practice there, it's like quite wide and high speed. And yeah, Lommel always used to be known for that, like high speed and keeping your your momentum and front wheel up pretty much. But now you, yeah, you had to take the 180 degrees corners, of course. So braking bumps become a lot higher. You're not jumping the braking bumps so easily. And uh, yeah. I think it also uh, ended up in a bit of one line in a lot of places. Like what you just said, like the big wave section is, yeah, it was so difficult just because you could get it all either right or completely wrong. Like you can just have the perfect entrance of it. And then <laughs> five meters later, you're almost off the track or you just lose the front end. No, it was just really uh, technical. Um, yeah, maybe I'm complaining also a little bit just because I was like not feeling it 100%. So then... Every mistake comes in easier, of course. But uh, track-wise, I think for the spectators, it was better because you could, like, walk everywhere and watch and, like, not touch the riders, but, like, feel, like, closer to it. But, um, yeah, as a rider, I would prefer the other, uh, like, not last year because I was not there, but the year before, I think. I think I, I prefer that layout just because it's more how we know Lommel. But, uh, no, that was good. So, uh, and on the deal, well, it came for me out of the blue as well. I literally, um, when I sat in, like I had a trailer in, in Canada for the, for the day, like, uh, the Wright family hooked me up with a trailer 
And I just remember the moment, like, I came over the finish from the second motor, and I was, yeah, also pissed there. Like, I get pissed quite easily, you can see, <laughs> after the because I always want to do better. But it, I, I crashed, uh, start crash, so finished fourth uh, overall. And I was riding back, and I was like, okay, this this was it. Like, it's off-season now, like, what's next? And I was sitting on the side of my trailer. All my gear was, like, pretty much on the the the, the dirt road. And I was like, dang, I don't want to go home. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on my couch, look at the ceiling, and like gonna ask myself, like, why did I go home? And then literally sat on my couch for 10 minutes, because my man my buddy brought me home and I said, like, I'm not motivated to Lommel just because of how the whole situation is in America. Like they like I think a rider is supported better there from the organization just by getting prize money, contingency, all this stuff. Um, and then I got a well a friend request and a message following up on that like hey Lars uh, are you home I said yes I am oh, I am uh, Patrick and I own the JWR team and uh, you want to ride for us and I said oh no it's my off season I'm not prepared <laughs> for it this and that and then they say like yeah but they came up with a good deal and then I said yes and then I thought it was Monday like, I literally thought it was Monday that day that I said yes. And then so it was Tuesday. <laughs> so I was completely lost in days. And, um, but yeah, I, I liked the challenge. So uh, the next day I went riding. That was actually the only good night I could take a good sleep for some reason. And after that, like, every night I, I was awake till three o'clock. Just I couldn't catch my sleep. So I think that was really hard for the weekend. But um, made it maybe extra special. But uh, yeah, they also followed the whole world tour thing well they started also calling it the world tour yeah. because uh, they they came up with the idea to go to europe <laughs> and uh yeah it was um unexpected also for me it was really unexpected but like yeah i like a challenge so um yeah it was cool i i absolutely had a blast so that's awesome mate how did the bikes compare the, throughout the whole trip like how was the bike the southwick and obviously had a pretty good bike in canada didn't you and how was the jwr one mate did you feel pretty comfortable on all of them and adapted well to it yeah i, I think i adapted really well the good thing is um well with my german team uh i got together with ors suspension and they made me made me a setup uh which is like quite basic for me like i i always know what i pretty much like and let's say i can always set it up for 90 percent and of course, Southwick is different than Lommel, and Lommel is different than Go for Dunes. But uh, yeah, you have a base and you trust the bike pretty much. So for me, well, the similarities were our suspension was pretty good, and the setup, just yeah, power was different. Like in uh, in Southwick, I was riding my friend's bike, which was uh, yeah, maybe I've said it already too many times, but it's pretty much stock. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so power wise. Uh, that was maybe my least bike, but also I didn't expect a, a super fast bike there. Like I'm always used when I was young to have like a normal bike or maybe be a bit down on power, but like my work ethic has always been there. So, well, that has, ha that has helped me in the long run. And in Redbird, it didn't care because it's a little bit harder base, but Southwick, yeah, it was deep. A bit like Lommel this year, like a lot of 180 degrees uh, corners. So then you need the power a bit more because you just cannot carry the momentum. Um, yeah, and then of course, well, at that moment, as long as you ride with the bike you're riding with, you don't know what you're missing out on. And I only felt that the next day when I go to go for Dunes, I was like also not 100% fit there because yeah, of like, yeah. you know, the trip. <laughs> Well, actually, it was funny. I was yesterday, I met some guys like Kai the Wolf and Ryan, uh, Roman van der Mosaic uh, yeah. and like a barbecue. And they were like, so how many days were there between these races? I said, it was literally the next day. And they were like, really? <laughs> like, they didn't know that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was, well, maybe some people didn't uh, miss that a bit. But uh, yeah, like that day I stepped on that bike. I was like, whoa, I was blown away. And they kept telling me like, yeah, this, this is not even special. But yeah, I know now for some reason in North America, if you have race gas, a good ECU and ignition on a four stroke, it's already 90% of the deal. So um, yeah, bike wise, it was really good. And then um, getting on the JWR bike here, it was just uh, yeah one of the better European bikes that I've had since I rode Honda. 
in motocross. Of course, my beach racing bike is it's a different thing as as well because it's just prepared different. But just the day, uh, JWR bike, I put my suspension and fought, felt right at home. Just had to get a bit used to the sound because they are riding different pipes. Mm. Um, but engine-wise, it was really good. I cannot complain. Like, it was... On the weekend, it was just me who was not 100%. And I think the bike and the team was really, like, on it. Like, I cannot say a bad word about them. It was just me who just didn't have uh, that last thing that I normally should have in a sand race. That was just missing. But, yeah, we all know where that comes from. So, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, mate, you must have got a pretty good reception from the fans at Lommel, I bet. And how was it compared to the, the Red Bud and the Southwick and the Canadian series? Because uh, I think you've certainly picked up a few fans in the last few weeks, mate. I was I was <laughs> literally blown away. Like, the thing maybe is it's a combination. I don't ride so much anymore in Holland. Like, it's pretty much three races I did the Dutch Masters. And I really want to do that because it's, yeah, the only normal Dutch races I can pretty much do. And then I ride in Germany and France. I ended up in Argentina this year for two races. And, um, yeah, America. So I did three races pretty much this year. And for, yeah, with the beach racing, I, I write some things in the magazine, like a column. So people know me and people follow everything I do, but I never ride in Holland anymore. So... <laughs> Okay, Lommel is not Holland, but I, I can consider it as my home GP because it's literally 10 minutes uh, past the border and more in the area where I live. So I'm from the south of the Netherlands and Dutch Masters are a bit more north. So, yeah, and then following up on, on the American trip, like I arrived here. I Well, maybe that was my idea also. Like, don't post too much about it before I arrive in Lommel. I just post a picture all of a sudden yeah. with me next to the bike. And like people loved it, and like I, I never had so many like replies and fans and people I like I literally didn't know walking up to me like ah oh, I follow your channel super good keep going I was like whoa and then uh, yeah first you hear one and then three and then five and ten and like people really like followed it and also writers and they said like oh it's cool and team managers like everybody seems to follow it so that was really cool. Uh, also gives me like some uh, reason to wait. Well, continue that video thing. <laughs> but uh, no, I had a lot of uh, fans here, which I never had before. So that's cool. And in America, it was also getting attention. So uh, at Southwick, I already had some people, yeah, like saying things to me, and uh, and also at uh, Go for June, it started even more because there, the Canadian people all follow well the american scene and they really think it's cool like they knew i was coming from southwick that was already a thing before i even knew before i even stepped in the car they know i was coming so uh no that was really cool um so yeah worldwide we are getting some uh getting some traction <laughs> but uh yeah it's weird for me because i was never uh yeah used to that to be honest yeah mate you're gonna do the same program again next year as well I would love to just, uh, yeah, to be honest, the thing is, I really arrived there as a privateer. I was sitting in the back of a camping chair. So, well, it still was an upgrade compared to last year, uh, program wise. And then I mean, like the way I approached it and of course the, the end result, because if you compare like last year, I had zero points. Well, I had one big point or a hundred points when I knocked down the coaster, but race <laughs> points, I had none. <laughs> and uh, now I had, I think, 21 in two races. And I had a bunch of points in and even a podium in, in Canada. So that was really good. But if I want to do it now, I would love to have like a bit of a team around me or a team I could step into to have a really good bike also in America. Um, yeah, because with with yeah the, the industry there, there are a lot of teams, of course. But you need to be... Um, as a rider, you should have a lot of rest between the motors because of the heat. And you ha really have to think about your body there because the heat is so brutal. Um, so, yeah, I would love to do it another year. But it must be always worth it because, yeah, of course, I, I just paid my own ticket. And in the end, people like uh, like one of my buddies, Heike, he, he, he reached out and helped me with a ticket. But in the beginning, it's just me booking everything and spending a front. And I think a lot of people just think, Oh, let's just go there and everything is organized. No, it's not like that. Like in Redbird, I just literally had to walk to the Pirelli guys, buy my own tires, and 
in America, no, no one really rides with moose tires, but my father said, hey, Lars, you're not going to go to America and get a flat tire in the last five minutes when you're in a good position. You better also put a moose tire in, but you just have to buy that. Like, I'm a nobody in America, so they don't care if you are good in beach racing or maybe have done a Dutch Masters because they don't even know it exists. So, yeah, you just have to go there, pay yourself into, like, the, 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 the right products and show yourself, and then people are supporting. And, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, it's just a challenge. It's different. Like, yeah, uh, nobody knows you there. That also was the thing in Southwick. I literally was there alone. And when I walk over the paddock, I don't know. Well, I know people who they are, but they don't know me. So I cannot ask someone like, hey, maybe can you help me out for with my with my tires for a second? And in Lommel, when I'm going to wash my boots, like five people stop me because they all know me and they want to chat with me. So... <laughs> That's, well, it's just a different world. It's just completely different. But it's cool to to experience that. Yeah, I think you certainly got some good contacts over there now, mate. You're well known. And yeah, next year you can probably come at it with a bit more organization and sort of pencil in the races you want to do. And it'll be pretty cool, mate. I think people will be sort of waiting for your arrival more so, I'd imagine. And just talk us through some of the weekends and the track comparisons between obviously Lommel and Gopher Dunes and Southwick, Redbud. He did another one too, I believe, in there. So it's all happening, mate, isn't it? How did you find him? And what was the most challenging on that Southwick weekend? Look brutal with the heat, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's uh oh, yeah, I can't I can talk hours about this. I, I think <laughs> I need to we've got a podcast or something, like a big one. I think you <laughs> no, need your own uh, podcast almost, mate. You've got so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I might have to do that on my own channel. Just put like a, how you call it, like a casting chair yeah. there and a buddy of me asking <laughs> stuff and just like let uh let my followers uh, shoot in questions. I think yeah, that mate. could be fun. <laughs> Christian Craig no, style, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, um, uh, track-wise, I think, yeah, I think almost nothing can uh, can compare to Redbird. I, uh, I knew it, of course, from TV, and I've written it a thousand times on, Go- on the GoPro videos on YouTube, <laughs> so I know what was coming. <laughs> and I always thought, like, uh, the Larocco Sleep, it's just a matter of hitting it. But this year, they changed it up. And in the in the, in the the practice, I, yeah, it was so rough in the front, so I was literally too scared to jump it. I like It's literally a wall when you, you arrive there. You just see the takeoff. And then I saw the 250s, like, clearing it, but they were riding star bikes or pro circuit. Yeah. And at this, mo- this moment, I still thought, like, oh, my bike was pretty decent. So, but I didn't do it in the in the time practice or in the qualifying. And then halfway the first motor, I was like, I gotta hit it. Fucking show some balls last year. <laughs> Pussy for not jumping it. And halfway the motor, I just launched it and I cased it like that. <laughs> I was full gas. It was like my perfect corner. And then I decided, yeah, I, I better stop doing it. Because I had one pair of I literally had one bike, so I didn't even have spare the wheels. So yeah. One time casing it is good, and I already felt a bit like maybe my wheel was that, yeah. like uh, bouncing a bit. It could also be from the mud, but yeah, I've no a thousand people have uh, have broken their wheels there, so I decided to not do it anymore. Yeah, but Redbird is so sick. The track layout is just it's just one out of a million. Like it's flowing, it has the jumps, it has its roughness. It's just to that type of rough that it's not too rough. It's still like good for racing and I could handle the heat there also pretty good. It got my best result also because it's yeah. maybe not so deep. And then, um, yeah, that got the world tour, uh, traction going a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Redbird, I think is the coolest track of all. And then about the sand tracks, cause after that it was pretty much all sand, uh, Southwick, to be honest, I expected a bit more out of that uh result wise but also like the flow of the track just because it had so many 180 degree corners um yeah it's not my style maybe but also it gets the heat gets you every corner because you're going so slow in the corner and you're trying to take a breather and then the heat just hits you extra hard so um yeah but also i i would have wished to have the jdr bike there for the weekend (laughs) but i hadn't so i cannot complain but I think it would make my experience in Southwick also different because you, you should have a little bit of a better start. I think the first 10 minutes would be a bit easier because you are just, yeah, 
you're just getting a bit less tired because the work, the bike is doing a bit more work for you. You take your passes easier. I think, uh, yeah, it's just getting a bit easier then. Like, I didn't make it easier myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Southwick was super hot. I, uh, yeah, it's, I, you can almost not describe it. Like, last year I said, oh, it's just like riding in a sauna. And I think people don't understand it. And you forget about it yourself until you're in it again. Like, I was literally on the starting line sweating. Like, sweating from the heat already. And then you think, like, oh, I need to do another 35 to 37 <laughs> minutes in this heat. And when you're – I'm fit. I just know I'm fit. Like, I even showed it doing back-to-back days. But when you're yeah. in the heat, it's almost it, – you cannot train it. You can do, like, maybe a cardio workout in the sauna – like on a bike then, and eh? not uh, something else in the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you cannot, you cannot um, uh, replicate it. It's just different with the intensity and the heat. It's you cannot. You have to be in it to get used to it. Almost like you couldn't breathe, probably, mate. Yeah, well, you're taking in air, but the air is even hot. So, mm-hmm. like, and you know, when your body is hotter than, uh, no, when the air is more hot than your body, and your body is heating up. It's just not uh, recovering that quickly. And yeah, you just, you feel fried after the 10 minutes. And then it was actually cool because I spoke with some guys from England who was also there. They said like, whoa, Lars, you are the most consistent guy with, with lap time because maybe I even lost only three seconds in during the moto. And then you see Anderson and Cincerello, they completely yeah. lose like 30 seconds a lap in the end. And they should, well, of course, they, they, they fucking like, you say it in the beginning of the model, they like launch it and they yeah. go all in. So maybe I'm pacing a bit more, but still like, like they are used to the heat. They should be used to the heat. And then it's cool to hear that I'm quite like leveled in my lap times. And that's why I'm picking up so many riders in the end. But yeah, it's, you cannot like, it's almost not, not enjoyable to be out there when you do it. But yeah, we are motocross races. So I li- my worst literally after the motor in Southwick was, why do I like this? It's like miserable. It's like you cannot enjoy it. You're almost crying because you're going, I'm giving everything every lap and you're just dying extra every lap. <laughs> so that's fun. And that's, uh, yeah, Go for Junes was, I think, a really cool layout. How were uh, you physically for that one, mate? You must have just smashed the hydration and nutrition to even get to a position to line up for that one. Yeah, that that's correct. Like my uh, my brother in law, he he does Ironmans and stuff, and so he knows how to uh, prepare for well, yeah, to prepare the body. I always, well, I actually uh, took more of it, uh, his advice this uh, trip than I ever did, <laughs> because normally <laughs> I pretty much do my uh, do my own thing and I know what to how to prepare for the beach racing. But now it was back to back. And you're in a car, you're in a uh, foreign uh, foreign country, so you don't know what to take. And he said to me, hey, Lars, uh, at least take two and a half liters of, of uh, liquid in your body. And not only water, but also take your sugars, take your stuff. So I literally went to the first gas station. I bought like half a liter of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I bought like a, ga- a Gatorade, of course, water, uh, like this protein shake. Um, and what more like a Pedialyte and this stuff I was literally drinking 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 the whole trip but I couldn't find food I couldn't find good food so I had to buy like just before the Canadian border was the last place I could buy some food I bought like this wrap thing and it was like $24 I was like what the fuck like it was crazy expensive but I needed food because I just knew if I'm not eating now I'm gonna pay its toll tomorrow so yeah, I I I eat so I drank so much that night. I eat what I could, and then um, yeah, the next day I was just body wise, I didn't feel that bad to be honest. But I was just like lack of sleep. I crashed on the couch three fifteen in the morning after an eight hour drive. Yeah, I was just more fried from lack of sleep. But uh, body-wise, I felt quite okay. Okay, I was lucky it was not so hot the day after. And maybe I already prepared myself mentally that I had had to suffer that weekend. But um, it was really enjoyable. And yeah, I felt like the the last motor before the line, I was tired. I have to say that. But I just put in my mind like, 
if I can do three motos of 30 minutes or 35 in this condition, I can also survive this last motor. I'm not going to fade. And then the second motor I got in second that I was like, I'm not going to give out, not going to give up this position, whatever happens. So, and also I didn't. And maybe that like boost you extra that you know you've gone already through a lot of uh, pain in your body. <laughs> And it gives you an extra boost to beat the guys behind you because they also know that you've done the yeah. thing. And that, like, maybe that's good for your, uh, yeah, for your mental. Yeah, that's cool, mate. What a trip and what a sort of journey and experience you can sort of tell that for the rest of your life, mate. And I just wanted to also ask you about the intensity of the racing. Obviously, all three series are excellent. Obviously, the AMA and the MXGP are, are probably higher than Canada, no doubt. But Canada's legit in its own right, isn't it? Yeah, Canada is so... It's so such a friendly atmosphere. Like, I literally didn't know the whole team when I arrived there. I only had contact with Ryan uh, Lockhart, the new, and like by text and then by phone. But I arrived there, and it was immediately like pretty much family of the of the team. It felt like like as if I was there already for like a year. So the atmosphere, and I think that's with everyone in Canada. Like everybody is friendly there. Everybody's cool. And it's just this atmosphere is really good. I only f uh, found out the the real like Saturday and Friday atmosphere the weekend after in San Lee because I, wa I literally wasn't there. I was still racing at <laughs> at Southwick the week before. So uh, yeah, the, the atmosphere is really cool there. Of course, the level is a bit lower. Well, the first guys, I bet Dylan. I really hope he's going to do the last two nationals because he's normally going to do that. I think. And for sure, if he rides like he can do in Canada, I think he's going to be a top five contender because he's on it. Like, he has the fitness, he has the aggressiveness, and he can ride a bike. So um, I think he can be really good there. Um, yeah, of course, after the top five, six, it goes down a bit harder. But uh, yeah, you have got the four, five good riders there, which are always there. And with the with the travel and stuff, yeah, not every local is going to be there every time. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just it drops off a bit harder. Intent intensity wise, I think America is the highest. Like everybody, like there's like riders passing me the first ten minutes in in uh, Southwick that I almost lap in the end of the moto just because they go full gas and they yeah and they just drop after that. And I was surprised with that a bit in Lommel that I was making up quite some passes in the first laps, but maybe I was there, that guy, that I was going to pass them and, and they dropped me in the end. But yeah, I had a good bike there. So if you, yeah, if you feel good and you're putting the power to the ground on a bike that really is fast also, you can make passes. And that was maybe what was lacking in, uh, in Lommel. Yeah. Or in uh, Southwick. I was going to ask you, mate, also, what would you say was the, the worst part of the trip in America and Canada? And what would you say was the absolute highlight if you had to pick one for each category? Oh, that's difficult to say. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is, um, I literally think, sitting, sitting in a camping chair <laughs> for 1,100 kilometers, having to sleep pretty much in that thing. Arriving at five o'clock in the morning at the hotel, so literally spent your night in a camping chair. Arriving at the hotel, sleeping with three people in one hotel room, a bed in one bed. Well, it was king size, but still, you're sleeping with three people in it just because we didn't plan to do the whole trip at the night. And no light. Uh, no, well, there was the the woman of uh, Corey was also in the bed, but she slept on the other side, so I was not in the middle. I cannot do that. <laughs> no, but. Just like these kind of things that people pretty much don't see and don't expect. Like if you watch the race, you just think, oh, this guy had like a perfect preparation. But that was, well, I was just lacking of sleep. I think pretty much the whole trip. So one of the difficult things was that doing a lot of things myself together with Corey. Then, yeah, I got ghosted by uh, by someone who was going to help me out to go to Southwick. So Southwick, I was doing everything alone. Uh, I think these things are well. In the end, they also make the story, but at that moment, you you're swearing at, at all these things. Yeah, and then the good thing, I think, pretty much my go for June's podium was so sick, just because. Yeah. Well, I hoped for it, and I thought it might be possible, but after riding the day before, you don't expect it. 
And then, uh, yeah, my Redbird second motor was also super sick. That, like, I didn't expect to to finish 13th just because, yeah, what I just said, like laying in a camping chair for 1,100 kilometers is not ideal. So, yeah, that's super, uh, yeah, that was just super sick. I think, and I even think in two, three months when when I'm sitting my preparation for uh, for the beach racing, and then I have a full-time mechanic and the bike is rocking up like perfectly good. Then you realize like, wow, that was a journey. Like, but that also appreciates your status then better. Like, oh, it's so good to have a mechanic and don't have to put in your own air filters or having to change your tires on a like 12 hours before the moto. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's the good things also. So the bad memories, or I cannot even call it bad memories, but these memories make it all worth it. And that's why it was such a cool world trip. <laughs> oh, mate, that's so cool. You'll feel like a king at those beach races. And what's the sort of preparation leading up to that? Are you going to do any more MXGP, maybe the Dutch GP or anything like that, mate? Have you got that on the radar? And will you just turn up at the Nations as a fan? Because I think you'll be pretty popular there yourself. Yeah, I have two problems. I well, I would love to do the uh, the the Dutch GP, but like I've done pretty much sixteen months nonstop racing. Like I had a little break last year after Unadilla, but still like not a real off season. Like that's the the the, the difficulty. Like when I used to do motocross, when you've got off season, there's literally no racing and all the tracks are are closed. But here, if like my my season is is the is the beaching season and that goes from september till february so when i'm done like all of a sudden i got the opportunity to do the mxgp in argentina which is another yeah. three or two weeks on my schedule got back the week after i wanted to do the dutch masters so immediately dutch masters starts so and the weather is getting better like if like you could say easily i'm not doing that race because it's shit weather and and i want some time off but if if the sun is coming through, tracks are good. Like you just want to ride. That's just in our in our uh, how you say it in our system. So I need to find some way now to to give my body a bit of rest because I don't want to like be worn out during December when it's my main time to my time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I just well I just have to skip Arnhem because well even though it's my home GP, I still have to think about my priorities. Maybe just um, get on the fan. Yeah, I should do that, I think. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I would love to go to Erne for the Motocross Destinations, but we've got our first beach race the same day. It's like literally the same day. And it's, I think, only two or 300 kilometers from from um, Erne, just because it was moved, Erne. So that's, that's a pity. Yeah. But I still think the beach race fan is more of a general fan of moto. And like close from the beach, then the hardcore motocross MX of Nations fan. But I haven't gone to a motocross destination since Austin, I think. And before that, it was also almost like eight years. So I'm really missing out on that. I should, uh, yeah, I need to go to the MX destinations and in the upcoming years because it's just super sick. And I'm like a big chauvinist in. Uh, I want Holland to win so bad every year. <laughs> yeah, mate. You're going to have a good chance again this year, mate. Obviously, you'll be probably picking Kai, Jeffrey and Glenn or even Calvin. He's having a great season too. So is that the team you'd go for? Uh, yeah, of course. Normally, if Jeffrey is fit, you should take Jeffrey and Glenn. Uh, and then it's a big uh, discussion if it's Kai or Rowan or... Uh... Yeah, you've got so many riders. Like yeah. Calvin could even fit on a 250 and go fast there. So I think we have a luxury problem. Like years before, we only had the Rover. And then, yeah, it was really difficult after that to choose after that. But now we've got like really at least easily three legit riders who could re do really good. Um, yeah, but that's also for us. Like I have quite a level, but I'm not even close to their level. So I would never be a part of MX Nations. And then I'm in Canada battling with medaglia who's been like picked yeah. i think for like 15 years or something that's that's funny and then i'm thinking like oh it's so sick they these guys like gonna come to france and they already asked me like oh we should meet up when we are there i said listen dude i can't <laughs> like i've got i've got to race the same date i cannot come over so 
but like that's cool. Like I think Evan's destination is something super cool. Like the fans really, really love it. And yeah, I think it's one of the sickest events there. Yeah, for the British fans, you'd be doing the Western Beach race as well, because I believe that's on the same weekend as the Madeley Basin MXGP. And obviously Le 2K, give us some thoughts on that because that's a massive one, isn't it? Well, I haven't done Western Beach race yet. And I know there used to be an ADAC on the same date, uh, but that's cancelled normally. So I, I literally don't know. I would love to do Western because it's also, I think, like a unique race and it has some history. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I just hope I just hope it could work out. I can do that race. But in the end, my team focuses on the French beach race season, which is like pretty much the only beach race season there is. <laughs> so I should focus on that. Um, but we'll see if I can maybe do it. I would love to do it just because, yeah, I don't have to explain anymore that I like to ride my dirt bike. In the race. <laughs> and um, yeah, Le Touquet. Le Touquet, that's... You can put every... I think you can win every race in the season, but you would trade it for one Le Touquet race. Because Le Touquet is so big. It's like the the, the Tour of Flanders of, of cycling. It's You can win anything, but that race is, is like here, like top level. So uh, yeah, every year we focus so hard for that race. And I, I seem to do like really good riding wise every year so uh yeah we just need to work always that's pretty much what you do the whole beach racing you work towards that like you can have maybe some off days on the races before but you always they uh, look big picture and that's look to care but everybody does that that's why it makes it so difficult and yeah look to care is also lending itself more for uh for mistakes like last year i i lost some podium in the last lap pretty much um yeah so you have to be on it that day it's pretty much like a world championship on one day like like it goes in cycling you can either yeah win or lose that day and um but i always go in with the attitude of i give every everything the upcoming weeks to that event so i cannot regret and i said last year also i go all in during the moto and yeah, i was still fighting for a possibly second or first position in the last lap and then i hit a backmarker, and of course you're pissed then at that moment, and like, I've rethought that process or that move like a thousand times, but I cannot change it. So I cannot be angry on myself because I said I was going to go all in. So, uh, no, Lutica is the sickest. I, yeah. I want to win it this year. Yeah, so you're definitely a contender, mate, and who are your main rivals for that? And just sort of tell us about the series and the framework of it and how cool your team is, mate, because they've got a few MXGP routes as well, and I guess the connection there too, don't they? Yeah, that's true. So for uh, rivals, I think it's always a little bit the same riders. Of course, it's uh, the Yamaha boys, which are Todd Kellett and Milko Potisek. Milko has won it, I think, three times. Todd has one time uh, won it. Then you've got Surreal, my teammate, uh, who's been now on the podium. Last year, he finished second. Then you've got Jan Tomartes, who's also a podium guy last year. He took my spot. <laughs> so he, uh, he took he a took, uh, podium last year. That's the main guys, pretty much. And then, um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, the beach racing is like seven, six, seven or eight races during the season, which all of them are two and a half hours, uh, except from Le Touquet. Le Touquet had uh, a three-hour moto. Uh, it's scratch, so you have 1,250 riders on the start. Uh, a bit wild. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a battlefield. It's really a battlefield. <laughs> it's... Um, I just love it because it's special. It's, you cannot, like, at motocross, you can, like, plan your moto a little bit. And in beach racing, it's impossible. Like, you can think about taking this line and then there's a rider in front of you who's falling. So you need to take another line and there's the next hobby rider, like, uh, face towards you because they had a crash. It's just complete chaos, but you really have to to battle through that. But, um, no, it's... It's a super cool series. It's uh, it's intense. It's it's hard. It's mentally tough because you need to be prepared for two and a half hours to three hour battlefield, and you're gonna be tired after an hour, and then this then you're gonna pretty much just went for your first pit stop. So you've got two more pit stops to go. <laughs> so it's a long moto, but um, yeah, my team really stepped it up the last few years with uh, yeah with Honda also stepping in and. Like the bike has to be, had had to get better, the mechanics, uh, the program for the for the training, 
like we stayed last year five years at Hossegur in the south of France, just to have like the best preparation, get all the, the like the noise out of your head pretty much to be like 100% prepared. And then if you're at Lotuke, yeah, you're like pretty much like like a rock star. You stay in this hotel. You have the photo shoots at a golf course. You've got uh, pretty much you're separate from from the spectators almost. Yeah. You're driven on scooters to to the beach to do press to do press day or to do press uh, uh, meetings and uh, like the the technical control. But you do it on scooters because it's impossible to do it on a car because you're going to be in the traffic jam the whole time. But yeah, it's it's a different world there. It's so many spectators are there there's like seven i think seven hundred thousand people were there at the spot last year or six hundred thousand it's crazy oh, so mate, the, yeah. the town must then be booked can... out like no hotels no nothing just must be absolutely no you need to you you should have booked already last year pretty much yeah. or like close to like this year's event to have a hotel next uh, year <laughs> yeah no that's really cool it's I've had people like coming to watch this year to Lutica and they've already been in the sport for 40 years in motocross. They say, I've never seen anything like this. It's so huge. And people underestimate that. So I, I'm going to try to give a glimpse of that, like uh, with the videos this year of, uh, of Tuket and beach racing in its, in its general. But um, yeah, back to the team uh, object, uh, subject. I think we have a super good team with Honda. It's always been a battle between Yamaha and Honda for years at the beach racing. So we really have to turn the tie now this year and get red on top. <laughs> but uh, no, Joss is doing an awesome job. He really knows how to run a team. Then we have our trainer, Toff. Toff always kicks my ass. <laughs> like he always tries to get that last percent out of me. And for some reason, he finds a way to do that. Like he, like I'm a guy you have to be hard for. Also in the pit stop, like he kicks my ass in the pit stops. Like he <laughs> says these things that he knows what to tell me. I've been working for three years now with him so he knows what to say to me and how to get the best out of me which is super cool because i love it when you both have the same goal so um no he gets the, really the best out of me and um yeah then you've, i've got my mechanics like uh like ben he he just thinks the same way as me he's i would say a bit of a smarter mechanic than 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 average so uh he thinks at a high level and we can discuss things about uh, how we how we have to do and how we think we can do things. And uh, that even goes from waking up at certain times and eating at certain times and, and eating different things and chilling out at moments that other people might be like still working out. So yeah, it's just uh, a lot of thoughts also go into that, like that process. And I think, yeah, with the mechanic and, and the trainer and the team manager, I think we really have a really have a good team, and we should be able to to do some wins. And then, yeah, they have a GP uh, side of it, which is also super big, and they're doing good there as yeah. well. So it's just they have the whole package. <laughs> and yeah. I'm glad to be part of that team. Yeah, mate. And the training, what does like a training week look like for you? It must be pretty brutal. Obviously, you got to, you know, obviously it sounds like they combine the physical, mental, technical, everything's covered, mate. But it must be pretty grueling, I'd imagine. Yeah, so I work with my own trainer. I've got Joel Rowlands, uh, old GP oh, yeah. winner as my physical trainer. So, well, that's on my deal. Um, yeah, so he always have contact with uh, with Christoph, my my motor trainer, which days we are riding, because he said, like, we're going to ride these days, and then Joel is going to make sure all the physical training fits in there, and uh, I don't get worn out. He just finds that, that, like, that limit, which is just the limit to be not overtrained, but also not undertrained. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, I think in the beginning of the season, we pretty much always do like four days of riding. Like we do a lot of riding because, yeah, you can be fit, but you cannot have the, the riding fitness without riding that you need in uh, in beach racing. So we do three to four days riding a week. And of course, in a race week, we maybe do even only two. But in a race week, we tame it down a lot with riding because we've already done so much riding. Um, and it's mainly all done in uh, in Lumplage. So Lumplage is Dunkerque, uh, uh, the the big sand pit in the north of France. It's a miserable uh, area because it's just in the middle of industrial place and a lot of uh, how you call this. Uh, Sounds like a place to suffer. 
Yeah, also, but like also there's a lot of these people, they come from Africa and they try to take the boat to England there. How you call that? Immigrants? Yeah, yeah. A lot of immigrants there. So it's it's not really a fun place to be, but yeah, we make it our own fun. Like uh, we suffer, so we don't have time to complain or anything. So we're pretty much spending time there in our hotel room, on the bicycle, on running shoes or at the track. And it's pretty much all that for the whole winter. So we have to <laughs> we yeah. have to enjoy that. So uh no, it's difficult. It's different than uh, going to uh, to a pancake house or something in America. It's a completely <laughs> different uh, style. But no, it's a lot of training there. And uh, yeah, as I said, you, as I told you, we also go a lot to the south of France to practice there, and we stay there. We met, most of the time rent a house together, and we stay there. And um, yeah, just do a, a lot of training. It's just a lot of hiding, a lot of preparation. And um, uh, only a few days off. And when you're literally, when I'm having a day off, I spend the whole day on the couch yeah. watching TV on Netflix or whatever. It's just uh, you need to know when to back it down. That's all in, mate. You got a few more years left doing that, you reckon? And what was the catalyst for getting into beach racing as well? Well, I'm 29, and I think you've got a longer career in beach racing than in motocross. But yeah, I always. When I, when I was a small kid, I, I watched Le Touquet because I know one guy who was doing it and he was happy when he finished in the top 100. But I never, I, I really thought it was cooler, but I never thought about me finishing on the podium because it was only so big in France. And then I did, I was always a good sand rider, but I always had that MXGP goal. And then I did uh, the Red Bull knockout one time in 2015. I literally took four weeks off before that. So I was just chilling, but I did some riding like two times an hour in Lommel as preparation. And then I finished fourth in, in a Red Bull knockout as first Dutch rider. And I was like, oh, so yeah. I do have some specialty maybe in beach racing, but I couldn't do the Lutte a few years. And then someone said, hey, let's do it. And I finished 11th, but I just fell in love with, with how, how it worked. And then I also started to understand it a little bit better because at that moment I was pretty much a green guy in uh, in beach racing or a virgin or however you call it. Like <laughs> I didn't know how it was. Like I didn't know it was a completely different game than moto, but I loved it. And it's like long motos, it's sand, so it's pretty pretty much what really I like. And then one year I spoke with some some guys and some friends, and they said you should really focus on Le Touquet for one year see if you can finish up front there because there's a whole beach race uh, series. Maybe that's interesting for you because I was working full time at that, at that moment. I had like a 45 hour job and well, I was not complaining about my job, but I still felt like I had more in the tank and then I was better than an average motor rider who should have a full time job. So I trained so hard for Le Touquet together with Joel. That was the first or second year I worked with Joel. So he knew me a bit already knew how how I could prepare and then I finished sixth and I was the first the last rider to not be lapped and be in the same lap as the, like as the winner and be the first non beach rider because there was only riders in front of me who was on an official yeah. team and then uh, I sat a lot of times in all the media well I had way less media than I did this <laughs> time with the podcast for America but uh, I literally said I would love to do a whole season and I would love to do more beach races. And then I got reached out by Joss and I've been with Joss ever since. So um, they asked me, they gave me a deal and I hesitate. I didn't hesitate that much. I quit my job. I had a big argument with my boss, but uh, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't really see the, the, how you say it, the value in it to, yeah. to stop working and chase this moto dream. But, but yeah, for now I just love what I did and I cannot complain because I've I have started traveling the world since then. And well, I might be 29, but I feel way younger than 29. And okay, maybe we're not making the same amount of money that people with a really good job have if you put the same amount of time in. But uh, I've got a lot of memories and I've got a lot of stories to tell when I'm uh, when I'm an older guy. Oh, so, that's yeah, for I'm sure, mate. Complaining. It's definitely, definitely pleased with the decision. You must be satisfied with how the career's turned out and just sort of you found your pathway and your niche. It's all pretty cool, mate. So all the hard work, patience, perseverance has all paid off. And 
just a couple of just sort of talk about your how you got into the sport of motocross and i think you're a bmx champion too weren't you mate so that was sort of the pathway wasn't it yeah world champion bmx in 2005 in uh, Bercy, <laughs> where they also did the supercars that's true like no, not a lot of people know that anymore because it's been years like what is it 18 years or something you could have been at the x games mate <laughs> no no i well i i always watch that and literally the guys like the the top dogs in bmx now i'm still good friends with them because i was literally like playing with them at the at the like they don't call it a paddock at bmx but like we're making jumps and always doing this stuff so uh i i still know a lot of the dutch guys that's fun but um yeah i always was when I, w- when I was born and I was like three years old, I always asked for a bike. For some reason, I saw it on the TV and I couldn't get my head out of it. So I always wanted to do it. Well, my father used to ride a little bit and my uncle, but they always tried to keep it away from me. And um, my mom was also the main reason why I couldn't go motocross because she was like, no, first you need to be able to buy- to take a bicycle. And, and first, you need to be able to swim if you cycle into the to a ditch. <laughs> Always these excuses. But I asked, literally every day, I asked for a bike. And then uh, I just loved it. And then first, yeah, I go on BMX. And I was quite good in that. So they were maybe like, oh, if he's good in BMX and shit and moto, we might have chosen the right path. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was always like, just like I told you in this, this podcast, I was always up for a challenge. So I was going to do my first European championship. And I said to my father, I said, what if, um, do you, will you give me a motocross bike if I become European champion? And he goes, yeah, no problem. Because he expected me to not be even close for that. But yeah, I finished fourth. But I was more pissed about not winning a moto than, than, uh, <laughs> than not becoming a European champion. It was third, second, like literally in a row. So I was like, ah, this year I'm going to become the uh, world champion. and get oh, European champion, I, get, I will get my bike. But I hit the gate and I finished third, so I was so pissed, like so pissed. And I will become world champion in two weeks. But the year before, I didn't even qualify for the final in, oh, well. in Valkenswald, actually the BMX track next to the motocross track. And then we go to Bercia for some reason everything clicked, and there was no stress before the moto or before the final. And I was in the lead. And the rest was a blur. I won. And the first thing I said when my father came into that, you know where they used to do the motocross underneath the stands? Like my father came running and said, you're world champion. I said, I will get a bike. <laughs> I was more pumped about the bike than uh, becoming world champion. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that got me into moto. That, no, that gave me finally my moto. I was already into moto. I knew everything about moto. I still do because I just love the sport. And yeah, so that gave me my first bike. And then I combined uh, the amateur 85cc class with on Saturday with BMX on Sunday the first year. And then after a year, I quit and I, st- I stayed with, uh, with Moto. And I've been doing that ever since. Yeah, that's so cool, mate. You've also got a college degree, don't you? Or the equivalent, I guess you could say, in the Netherlands. So you're, you're well-schooled, yeah. well-traveled, mate. Can you sort of apply it to anything in your Moto stuff or not really? Well, my mom... My mom has been uh, quite smart because she always said, uh, we will help you as like in our abilities with Modo as long as you go to school. Because if you quit school, we're going to quit Modo. So, uh, and well, after a certain time, like I also saw the value in that. Like I have to go to school anyway, so I better do my best and like use my head and get a degree. So I've got my Bachelor of uh, Bachelor of Economics, it's called in English, I think. Yep. Um, so that's just under university just because I'm not the type of guy for university so um, yeah I I have my degree which is good that got me also into that job a couple of years ago but yeah I I can see a lot of things like I speak good English I speak French I speak German um, and I think I've got a different view on the whole thing on Modo like if I go to Argentina I, I already look at things like ah can I do could I do business here? And like things yeah. like that, just because I also like business a lot. And I think I'm really easy in, in, in uh, getting connections done, which will help you also out later in life. But also it got me a different view on work because I was working, like I told you, I was working and I had a discussion with the guy. He said like, oh, you better keep working and quit Modo. But now he texts me sometimes when I like, I have this sponsor group, which I 
explain what I'm doing. And then he's like, oh, you've got a good life. And then I'm always thinking like, all right, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have it if I listened to you. But it's just because <laughs> I'm making so much memories and experience in life now that will, I will all have it in my backpack when I will apply to a job in, in five or 10 years. And I think they will value that a lot more than 10 years working at some company here in my town in Vechel or in Amsterdam or whatever. Because you've got like, you just know what's, what counts for you in life. And if you got a smart hat, you can always use it. So uh, I think having a college degree is really smart. It's good. And yeah, you know, motocross, if, if, if I have 17 bad races from now on, I'm not going to be on the line next year with a paid ride. That's, that's how motocross is. So you've got to deliver, but I also don't have the stress that I will be bankrupt the next year because I will find a job. And if I won't find a job, I will start my own thing. So yeah, yeah that's also with the YouTube thing. I just know I try to get it. Well, I started this at my own, um, for my own memories, but now like people really start to love it. And that now I will, I want to get it like bigger, but also I know it's good for sponsors and it's good for your fan yeah. base, but I want to have it bigger than just Modo. That's why I try to get people follow the beach racing because that's a whole different thing. And I think if America and Canada starts to see what beach racing is, I think they're going to even love it even more because moto, you can find moto everywhere, but you cannot find beach racing everywhere. Yeah, oh, man, it should be a good sort of plan to raise your profile, raise beach racing as a sport. And yeah, that's cool, mate. you got some plans. And ideally, uh, would you like to stay in moto and combine that in the industry with the economic stuff when you finish racing? Well, I think I would love to start in, in sports in general because, like, I've got, like, what, with one of my mates, uh, he started Fastline uh, Industries, which is a uh, distribution company. But we also do mountain bike. So I've been putting a lot more attention to mountain bike, and I see how cool that sport is, how, I I would say low profile, but you see just the, the vibe is different, maybe a bit more like Canadian nationals, like, it's less stress. And there's a lot more money on the line there, so... Like, I don't understand why people are so uh, rivaled in, in, in moto. So yeah. I'm always had like this cool uh, chill out attitude. But yeah, if you see some riders in MXGP, yeah, I think they they hate to be there. So I would love to see that more in moto, just the chill attitude. And um, yeah, I would combine, I would love to combine my, 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 how you say, it, my brains in, uh, in moto. But if it were, if it would end up being mountain biking or anything else, I wouldn't cry about that because I think there's a lot more cool sports than just, just moto. But yeah, I think uh, moto will always have a step ahead for me. No, but yeah, that's, I'm still racing full time. Eh? So uh, yeah. I should still keep focusing on that. But if something pops up, I, uh, I'm pretty sure I could easily handle j the jobs. Yeah. A brand, like a brand or whatever. Yeah, it's awesome what you're doing, mate. And before we sort of reach on the hour, just one more thing, mate. Who would you like to thank and give a particular shout out for helping all these deals come together and just shining the spotlight on you, mate? Because it's it's pretty cool, mate. You'll definitely look back on it and be pretty satisfied with it. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's not my tip, uh, typical career that I had. But so, uh, yeah, of course, Joss uh, of, of SL Honda, because he pretty much got me out of, uh, of my office uh, chair at work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Can say a big thanks to him and of course my KMP team and uh and JWR for for the last weekend. Yeah, it's just so many people who helped me out the last year, uh, last uh, weeks and years. And Corey, the the famous guy uh, who gave me the bike in America, he is just a cop and he gave me a bike. So uh, yeah, and like all my private sponsors. It's it's difficult to name them all now because it's going to be boring for the listeners. <laughs> but just everybody who helped me out. You can see them everywhere on my helmet, on my jersey, and on my website and everything. So they know who they are. But they, I've pretty much got a group in, in my town, Vechel, that always supports me and uh, keeps me going. And then, yeah, my teams. So, uh, and I think my parents, I told you, they have a big influence. So, uh, yeah, I'm never getting, getting in these interviews where I have to thank sponsors. So it's a bit unusual for me. But everybody knows who helps me, and I'm always thankful for them. And, uh, yeah, in the end, you need a good group around you and uh, to get your uh, to get your dreams going. So uh, thanks everybody who's helping me out. You know who you are. <laughs>
Oh, mate, it's awesome. And yeah, thanks again for taking the time. It was a bloody good chat. We'll definitely have to get you back on again soon, mate. But I'll do my own sponsor read now before we let you go. And Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, there is no us. All right, thanks again, Lars, for joining us, mate. It's been an excellent chat and all the best for the future and the Beach Racing Series, and we'll hope to get you back on soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, for everybody who wants to follow my journey, you go to my YouTube, Lars from Merkel. Uh, follow Flight 787 because it's still up in the air. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, see you guys later. Cheers, mate.